Uh, dude, we got to go see Cold War also. I was just I about to tell yeah. you that I really do want to see that because I loved the trailer. Yeah. The trailer was fucking... I've watched it like 12 more times. I didn't. Wa- I haven't home. watched it. Ag- watched the trailer again just because of the profoundness of seeing it in 70 millimeter was like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I agree, though. I'm, dude, I'm, that, I'm definitely down to go see it. The shot at the end of the trailer of just the guy behind the piano and he just kind of gives that little like... Nod. Oh, yes. Like, oh, fucking kills me. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Like, that guy just nailed that <laughs> shit. I don't know what the context of that is, but like... I know exactly what's being communicated, and I want to see that. It, fuck, it looks so good. No, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm down to, I'm down to check it out. Uh, all right, Dorian. Episode forty-two. Forty-two of the couch. I'm Bobby Navia, and I am Dorian Weinzimmer. Welcome back, everybody. Um, this is episode forty-two. Thank you to everybody who has been listening to our episodes. Our our Top five is now at 42. I was going to say, it's, it seems like basically our episode number is determining our play count. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yes, <laughs> so, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> so should we just jump to like episode five, five million? Five million. Yeah. And just see if we just get five million plays. Maybe. Because then people will be like, holy shit, man. They're in episode five million. Dude, Damn. Like I might have to go back and like. million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be the only podcast ever with that many episodes probably mm-hmm. you know first podcast to five million first podcast episodes five million. <laughs> uh yes no thank you to everybody who's been listening and um re-listening and and, and stuff uh, i have a few people at work who listen on a weekly basis oh nice you know that's awesome. really nice to hear and yeah. stuff so uh one of my one of my coworkers, she's just like i have to ask you a question and i was like all right yeah what's up she's like so I was listening to one of your episodes. What's the importance of episode 19? Like you guys were just hyping it up. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I, we were just being, you know. Yeah. You know, it's like she got like pissed off. She's like, oh, fuck. Like I was actually trying to figure it out. And I'm like, well, I appreciate that yeah. we duped you. But, you know, like. It worked. <laughs> you're still you listening, know? right? Yeah. yeah. That's called engagement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, like, it's the countdown, you mm-hmm. know. People love the countdown. They hate it, but they love to hate it. Yes, exactly. Especially nowadays. Because usually you get like countdowns to countdowns that became a thing like a few years ago. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You'd have countdowns like a countdown count. and then like this new website, like viral website would open or something or ARG or some shit. And it would right. have a new countdown. Yes. Yeah. Um, Good tactics. All right. So we got a new trailer to talk about this week. Yeah. It's a trailer to a movie called Arctic with yep. Mads Mikkelsen. Mads. But before we get to that trailer. Before we get to that trailer, Bobby has to. There's a few things I want to. Bobby's got to. Get something off his chest. Yes. I'm uh, very curious. I have not. You haven't asked me. I have. Yeah, I've been saving it. You've been saving it. I've been, I'm dying to know. Yes. I was even when Hannah, my wife, went to a store where Bobby works to bring in some shoes oh, to, get, yeah. to get cobbled. Yes. And um, I was like, she got home and I was like, did he mention anything about glass to you? <laughs> And she was like, what the hell is that? And yeah. I, I proceeded to give her like a 20 minute basically like rundown. And as soon as I was done talking, she had this look on her face. And I was like, I can't believe I just talked to you for 20 <laughs> minutes about M. Night Shyamalan. And she was like, I know that was outrageous. Yeah. And I was like, I can't believe you listened. Yeah. What is what are you? <laughs> so you tell me to stop. We're married now. OK, no. God damn it. You have responsibilities. <laughs> Oh um, my god! Also, I was I was shocked at how much I could recollect from from Unbreakable because I haven't seen it since two thousand or yeah. two thousand one. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen Split. Right. Um, and I haven't seen Glass, but I read it. You know, I know what happened. I yeah. read all the shit about the ending. So, um, uh, but anyway, I was I was like that excited that just from that 
knowing that she had a brief interaction with you on a professional level. <laughs> I was like, did he mention anything about glass? Did he like it? Did he hate it? What's up? Um, uh, so I've been thinking about it. I'm excited. Okay, so I got two things before I get to that. Okay. All right. Well, I'll try and make them as brief as possible, but they probably won't be. One, um, I want to congratulate you on your Oscar nomination for Chicago Rot. I hear it's been nominated for Best <laughs> Musical or Comedy. <laughs> Yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. thank you. You're welcome. And congratulations to you as well. Thank you. We're in the Oscar race now, people. Yeah. Because it just seems like everybody is. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> in the Oscar race. So here we go. Uh, yeah. So Chicago um, Rot, by the way, being a film that um, I co-wrote and directed and yes. that Bobby was first uh, assistant director on. And if you haven't seen it, it's on iTunes. And Amazon and yeah, iTunes and Amazon. Let's iTunes just go and with Amazon. those. It's easy. Yeah. It's yeah. easy. And that's, you're probably watching shit anywhere. Have you ever heard of Flix Fling? Me either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you haven't heard, this is that is a playful light jab to the fact that the nominations are crazy and ridiculous. Yeah. But because they are crazy and ridiculous, you should actually watch something worth your time, which is Chicago Rot. Yes. So yes, please indeed. go and rent it. Check it out. Maybe Dude, watch it the night the Oscars are on. That's a perfect, perfect opportunity to to get through the Oscar slog. Yes. It's, yes. the, it's the best way to do it. You, everybody bitches every year about the Oscars not being entertaining and they go on too long. And that's all true. Yeah. You could watch our movie, which is an hour and 40 minutes, brisk hour and 40 minutes, nonstop, tons of shit going on. You'd be confused, delighted, enthralled, a little depressed maybe. Who knows? I mean, you do have a host in, in, in Shira, <laughs> in Shira Barber, who there plays is. Alex. There's a framework mechanism you know? there where we have a person who keeps coming back and there, sort of bringing you up to speed. There is. I would, uh, uh, you know, I got a nice musical we have music. We have musical numbers, numbers spread throughout the film. It is. Just this like the best song nominees. Exactly. <laughs> this is our, okay, Chicago Rot is officially the best Oscar telecast ever. It is. Yes. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, I agree. Yes. There's, um... There's a twist at the end. There is. An award goes to somebody you <laughs> might not have expected it to go to. <laughs> um, We're not making this up, people. When you uh, watch this the movie, this is the movie. <laughs> this is the movie I'm here. Just okay? realizing it now. Right. Uh, so, wow, yes. Excellent. Excellent mm, point. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Congrats to us. I also, I have to say, I was uh, um, I was cracking up. Matt Miles was texting me uh -huh. uh, the morning of the Oscar nominations. He okay. was texting me too. Okay, yeah. about yeah, it's so people. There's a you know, there's outrage about everything nowadays. Yes. But um, so people were kind of outraged that uh, if Beale Street could talk, didn't get a Best Picture nominee. Right. Um, and I haven't seen it yet, but I fucking love Moonlight, mm -hmm. and Barry Jenkins is he's a genius. Yeah. yeah, he's a fucking master filmmaker. I can say that already, having only seen one film. Like, yeah, this dude knows what he's doing. Oh, he you knows. know, so so I don't doubt that if Beale Street could talk, I don't doubt for a second that it deserves probably as many nominations as Roma. You mm -hmm. know, um, uh, however, you know the the reason for the backlash seems to be less so about like the film itself and more so about like again the racial component. Yeah, um, and you know the other best picture nominees are like Black Panther, mm -hmm. Black Klansman, and even Green Book. Yeah, which is you know about you know this uh, race. Yeah, race relations. About, yeah, race yeah. relations. And again, is like you know it has a black lead actor and is mm -hmm. like very conscious of these things and like you know is socially progressive. And from what I understand, I haven't seen Green Book either. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I was just cracking up because I was like, 
man, white Hollywood must be so fucking confused right now. Cause they're like, we nominated both movies with black <laughs> in the title. <laughs> and that's still not a no, like we and still, still fucked happy. Out. It's yeah. like, no, you got the wrong black movie, yeah. you know? And of course, you know, people, part of the thing, you know, Black Panther, of course, is like, oh, well, that's like a blockbuster. It made tons of money. It's not like the socially conscious, but I don't, you know, that like that argument kind of pissed me off mm-hmm. because I thought that like when Black Panther came out, what I thought was so cool and so special about it was not just the fact that sure, a block, you know, it was a superhero movie that made a billion dollars. Welcome to the club. You know, there's a ton of those. Mm-hmm. What made it special was that, you know, this was the first black superhero movie, yeah. you know, big budget. And we're like, a large portion of the population of the world and this country right. could go and see themselves Correct. reflected in a film mm-hmm. and like, you know, be able to look at that for children to be able to look at that and like aspire to that and like making that part of the culture where like superheroes aren't just white people, right? you know, where that's not the only thing you can aspire to be is like the sidekick to a, a, a better white person or you a know? villain. You can be, yeah, exactly. You can be the hero. You can be the villain. Like the power is in you as well. And I would say that that is an enormously important social message. Yeah. You know, and like, you know, not to mention the fact that the movie itself did within its narrative bring in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, relations within various uh, segments of the black population. Right. You know, which was interesting. It was like, you know, it's not us versus like, we can talk about how there's a division within us, you know, Mm -hmm. and like that as well, I think is like an important thing, you know, for any race or culture to acknowledge about themselves. You know, nobody's ever like fully whole, so to speak. Um, So, yeah, I thought those things were like wildly important, you know, on a social level. Yeah. And, you know, so for people to kind of like dismiss that about the movie now, I'm like, I feel like some of these people that are saying that are the same people that were like singing its praises, you know, for these exact reasons months ago. But it's like, you know, it's just it's not like in your face, like 1950s this is what racism looks like, experience it so you can understand and empathize. Right, you know, which exactly. Is more like what Beale Street's doing, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I get there's a difference between it, but to say that it's like, it's just a blockbuster and that's why it's, you know, being nominated for Best Picture is like, I mean, you know, if that's the case, by that logic, then Avengers should be up there. Yeah. Ant-Man and the Wasp should be up there. Correct. You know, it's like, yeah. no, this was something different. I didn't even like the movie. Okay? I was just <laughs> like, about to bring up right now, yeah. like, Dorian didn't like the movie, I didn't but like the fact Black that, like, Panther, you're, obvi- but you're making these points is, yeah. like, clear that not everybody is... Right, because my, you know. my problems with it are as a movie. Correct. You know, yes. like, not... I understand its importance, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm all for that, and yeah. I love Ryan Coogler also. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. I want him to make more movies. I'm glad he's being so successful. I just hope he, you know, I hope he goes back and does other non-superhero things as well, you know, um, because that's what I like more from him. But anyway, um, so just since you brought the Oscars up, Mm -hmm. uh, that just came up and like, and, you know, and (laughs) my ending point, Matt Miles was like cracking up about this. I was like, you know what? And what pisses me off the most, though, is that everyone is ignoring the true crime here. Which is that fucking Ballad of Buster Scruggs got three goddamn nominations based on yours and Jeremy's like Disgusting. reactions. I just I decided like not to watch it. I probably who knows so if bad. I ever will. It's so bad, but yeah, yeah. I, don't know. I mean, it's it's really pathetic. It's one of those things that it's like, you know, we talk talk a lot about like declining standards and like people <laughs> just convincing themselves that they're okay with something when yeah. it's actually bad. Yeah. You know, you used to get better stuff than this. Like this is this is that uh, that for the Cohen brothers. I'm like that with Justice League. It, right. Yeah. I'll admit it. Yeah. But at least just, you acknowledge it. I do. I know? really do. Like it's it's, it's I terrible. Do a, I, I, uh, 
like Casey, um, you know, Ke- uh, Kelly's friend, Casey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, her and um, one of her friends uh-huh. when we went to the Ghost to Brant's show, Ghost Forest. Yeah, yeah. Um, when we went to Big Star to get tacos beforehand, they were talking about how much they love Buster Scrubs. Buster Scrubs. And I got into I was like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> 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 we got to talk about this. Because I was like, it, to me, it was like, there, I mean, there's like the whole fucking movie is worthless. Uh-huh. There's not, I couldn't even point to be like, okay, well, that story was okay. At yeah. least, you know, no, no, they're all terrible. Um, so, yeah, Ugh. so it, it became an argument. But I, you know, I was trying to like, conv- you know, make them understand that I was like, no, if you, if they had put this movie out right after like Fargo, yeah, you would be like everybody would be out with fucking pitchfork, pitchforks and torches, yeah, you know, calling for their blood. Like, what the fuck happened to you, you know? But it's like they've been on kind of a let's face it, a decline. <laughs> you know, well, Hail Caesar wasn't. I didn't like that too much. Yeah, that was yeah, a no. very bad movie, and yeah, that was. I mean, my initial critique of Buster Scruggs was the only reason this isn't the worst Coen Brothers movie is because Hell Caesar already exists. Mm. And oh, good point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, that's how it was. Like they went so low at the last one that they came up like maybe a quarter <laughs> of an inch, <laughs> and everyone's like, "Oh, they're great again." And it's like, "No, no sorry, guys. Yeah. Like, this is this is really pathetic." Uh, yeah, the Oscar anyway. nominations were quite interesting to yeah. read and see, and you know. But you know, when Matt Miles was texting me, I was just like, "He's like, oh, can you believe this?" And I'm just like, "You know what, dude? Like, I don't care anymore. You know what? If Bohemian Rhapsody wins. Like, more power to you. Yeah. Glad you won. It's great. Yeah, congratulations. I, I'm it's gonna really try not to like. On the back. Yeah, I'm just yeah. really not gonna try and you know explain to anybody anymore. You know why I think you know that movie shouldn't win or this or that or whatever. It's like. You know, I hope Regina King wins for mm-hmm. Best Supporting. Oh, you know, yeah. for Beale Street, she's really great in that movie, and I'm pretty sure Christian Bale will get his Best Actor. Yeah, uh, you know, oh, trophy. Yeah. You know, he's just amazing in that movie. But it was it was cool to see um, uh, Pavel Pavlovsky get the director nomination yeah, for Cold uh, War. Polish director. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's I think first movie since Crouching Tiger. Uh, oh no no no, sorry, that's Roma. Oh, okay. Yeah, Roma is up for best foreign language film mm-hmm. and best picture, mm-hmm. which I think is the first time since Crouching Tiger. But I can't, I can't think of a time that a movie that was up for best foreign for best foreign language film had a best director nominee. Mm. You know, because Cold War isn't up for best picture. I don't believe it's only no. up for best foreign language. Best film. foreign language, yeah. But he's up for best director. Yeah. Um, which is really cool. And I know Amazon, you know, studios has like produced the film or is distributing in the US. So I don't know if that helps. Oh, maybe make him eligible or something. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. thought those directors that I thought if you were only up for best foreign language film that you weren't eligible for best director. Yeah, um, I don't know. But yeah, I'm not I'm a little I realize I'm a little fuzzy on the rules with that. But yeah. Regardless, it was really cool to see his name on that list. No, for sure. It's like that would be amazing if he won. Yeah. Um, um, but uh, there was a uh, Quaron's probably gonna win. Yeah, I hope. Yeah, that's 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 what my my hope is that he he takes the gold. Yeah, I mean he fucking deserves it. Yeah, directed the shit out of that the movie. Yeah. Fucking yeah. Um, I've talked to two other people who have watched the movie and they they both said that they like just really enjoyed it, really yeah. liked it a lot. So it's really making me happy that other people have been watching it mm-hmm. and like actually watching it. You know. Yeah. Um. So that's been that's been really really. You really cool. can't help but be charmed when, like, 15 minutes in, there's just a naked dude doing a fucking katana routine yes. with a shower pole. Yeah. Uh, like a curtain rod, I should say, shower curtain rod. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, it's just full floppage going yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> 
Did you and hear? He's it? good. He's did, good. Did you hear that that actor <laughs> has tried to get a visa to come to the awards and he's been denied three times? Jesus. He he can't wow. get a visa to come and to the Oscars. That's fucking unreal. Right? Isn't it terrible, dude? Yeah, that's such a joke. Like, I mean, yeah, for that to be caught up in like you know the political yeah. landscape right now, it's obviously horrible. that's you know something that's happened many, 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 many times throughout history. But uh, still, like you know, you think. It's it, things like that. You always think like, oh, we've come so far. And then something like that happens. And you're like, nah, we're in the same spot. We've yeah. kind of always been. Yeah. yeah. It's just. And then a lot, look of different the, uh, a lot of the theaters it's who. Uh, oh, go for it. The uh, you know, like the movie theaters, they'll do their best picture. Uh, best picture nominations like series where they'll put like the movies back into theaters and you can like buy a thirty five dollar ticket and like go see the movies or whatever. Uh, AMC, Regal, and Cinemark have all said that they will not play Roma in theaters because it wasn't, you know, like given to them first as like a first run thing. So like they're just not going to play it. It's like, you know what? Like you're putting Black Panther back into theaters. Like you're going to make money. Just shut the fuck up and play the movie. Okay. Like, please. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Netflix is not going away. No. (laughs) I, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a prophet or anything, but uh, <laughs> I dare say Netflix is going to be around for a while still. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. I mean, the fact that they just got a Best Picture nomination, you know, kind of solidifies, like, you need to start playing ball with these guys, all right? Yeah. And I mean, even even the, you know, even the disappointment with Buster Scruggs getting, you know, nominated like that is another Netflix yeah, release right. that yeah. also has some nominations behind it as well. Yep. It's um, also I, I was cracking up too that it's so it's up for one of the awards that's up Buster Scruggs is nominated for is um, adapted screenplay. Yeah, because the uh, excuse me, this whole thing originally started as a television concept. Right, it was going to be an anthology series mm-hmm. where it was like five or I think it was six stories. Yeah, six episodes that were an hour long each, mm-hmm. and then they ended up revising that and turn and parsing them all down and making it all fit into one two hour and like 20 minute slog of a movie mm-hmm. um so the adaptation of the screenplay is from their original television screenplay uh, so they like adapted their own script basically and <laughs> from i just tv heard, to a film so it's an adapted screenplay rather than original i just heard a report that said that when the nomination first went out that they were nominated for original but that they went back and changed it because two Two of the stories are based off of another piece of writing that is not oh, Coen Brothers writing. Oh, okay. It's not, you know, they didn't write gotcha. it. Gotcha. So it is loosely based off other other properties. Okay. So I think they went back and, like, changed it to adapted instead of, like, original. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. I thought it was because of the original no, television was, premise yeah, with no, it. Okay. It two of the stories that were cool. based off other stories or whatever, so. Um, and we would be, we should move on, but we yeah. should, I would be, uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that um, one of the best documentary feature nominees, Minding the Gap, oh yeah, is a uh, is uh, made by yeah this guy Bing Liu, mm-hmm. who is sort of a Chicago native. Yeah, um, he's from like Rockford. That's mm-hmm. where the whole documentary was shot and everything. But um, that movie, you know, is partially I think produced and I think he like interned at Cartemquin for a while or okay. like worked there for a little while and things like he might have done some Sundance Lab stuff in the. Uh, uh, to help develop this project and everything, but okay. he's, it sounds like this guy because we've had like these tangential connections with this dude mm-hmm. um, for over the years. Like actually, when uh, when we were filming Chicago Rot, um, 
Ryan, our cinematographer, he had worked at this skate shop out in Niles called Shred Shop. Yeah. And the guy there, uh, was he was pretty into video production himself, so he was helping us out sometimes, the, the owner of Shred Shop, uh, Chris, I can't remember his last name. Um, but when we were like crewing up for the movie, he actually recommended Bing oh, to Ryan no as a guy okay. that he sh- he was like, hey, if you need like other gaffers or like yeah, you know yeah. camera crew, you should call this guy up. He's a super hard worker and yeah. like all this. And um, yeah, no, he came out with this documentary like uh, I think like early this year because I've been hearing about this. It's been like the toast of the town for like yeah. all of 2018. Yeah, minding yeah. the gap. Like it, I mean it was getting rave reviews right when it premiered. And it's a documentary about skate skateboarders. Yeah, right, right? So and uh, skateboarders and like um, uh, like generational uh, gaps. Okay, I think is is the main thing. Like with skateboarding, kind of at the heart of it. But okay. I, you know, I think their relationships with their fathers, and then I think like or their parents, and then one of them I think ends up having a kid. Uh-huh. And then, you know, it puts all of that back into perspective. And, you know, so it's, okay. it's a lot about, you know, it's not about skateboarding, really. It's kind of, you know, that's at the core of it, sure. Um, but it seems to be much more of, yeah, like a coming of age also, like kind of, you know, that that area of life where you start to actually like understand your parents because like, you oh, know, okay. there's, there's now like a younger generation coming behind you and yeah. you realize what it's like to interact with that as gotcha. opposed to your whole life up to that point is only you're interacting forward, you know, right. never backward. Yeah. Um, so, so anyway, it's, yeah, it's everybody I know who's seen it has said it's just absolutely amazing and incredibly well done. This, guy, this guy's first film, yeah, you know, and yeah. all this. And, uh, it's and on, now it's uh, fucking nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> and it's on, it's awesome. on Hulu. It's still on yeah, Hulu. That's it's right. Hulu exclusive. So if you have Hulu, definitely check it out. Yeah. And, but uh, yeah, support Chicago. Yes. No, Chicago sure. filmmakers, mm-hmm. um, you know, total bootstrap type filmmaking. Like this is just a guy who went out of his own steam, you know, just fucking did it. Did it. Yeah. And now he's sitting at the Oscars. <laughs> uh, okay. So my last thing I want to, say to the people who sit on the couch with us every week yeah is year of the dragon is coming out on blu-ray <laughs> next month yeah if you don't know what we're talking about episode 28 of the couch called year it. of the dragon called yeah. the year of the dragon uh i won't get into it too much myself dorian and our friend sean saw this at music box for the 70 millimeter film festival and uh the trailer looks like just a gritty new york cop drama yeah uh and we got so much more than that yeah, in the I, movie. I would say the best way to go in mm-hmm. would be to not listen to our episode. Oh, oh. Just w- go online, watch the trailer, and then just watch the movie. Yes. And just know <laughs> you're in for an experience. All right? <laughs> like, it's going to be something you're going to talk about. Yes. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, and then listen to our episode. Yeah. That'd be, that's, because that's I think better. going in like we did, where I mean, we just saw the trailer and we're like, dude, this looks awesome. Yeah. And then we sat down and we were like, oh my God, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> like, you kind of need to, you, you kind of need to have that experience with the movie. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like, it started so high and then it went like so far down. And then we came like, kind of like right back up. Yeah. But in a totally different, like, on a totally different like plane. <laughs> yes, no. <laughs> than we were yeah. originally on. Yeah. And um it's just it's it's kind of fascinating in a sense. So uh so yeah, but I think like February nineteenth is February the 19th. Like, projected yeah. date. Yeah. yeah. Um I pre ordered my copy today on Diabolic DVD. Hell yeah. So excited to so might get it early. In. Might get it early. I hope I get yeah. it early. I might get it on Valentine's Day. Ooh. <laughs> so why do I wanna fuck, fuck you, you so yo, bad? God <laughs> damn it. Okay, let's move on to our trailer review. 
Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're reviewing this uh, trailer to this movie called Arctic. Uh, I thought we had one other thing we need to discuss first. Oh, shit. That's right. Glass. My yeah. bad. My bad. That's right. So I saw Glass. Yep. We have an episode of it. Mm-hmm. So listen to that episode if you're curious about the trailer review to it. Yep. Uh, Glass was a very challenging movie. Okay. Uh, I'm inching more and more towards it. It was just not a good movie. Okay. Glass is most definitely a sequel to Split. It is not a sequel to Unbreakable. Mm. And when M. Night Shyamalan tries to make it a sequel to Unbreakable, I think that's when it breaks. Okay. I didn't Ooh. plan that, by the yeah. way. It just happened. So. Our, the Shyamalan <laughs> puns continue. We had some good ones on that episode. We did. Yeah. We did. Um, so, yeah, the movie takes place three days after the events of Split, mm. when Split ends. And so, uh, and it is kind of like how you predicted, you know, David Dunn's kind of on the case and then they get captured at the same time and put in the same institute that okay. Samuel Jackson's in. And then the middle of the movie is just, you know, talk fest 2019 about superheroes, you know, psychology, what you think you're really doing. Do you think that maybe there's a part of your brain that's thinking that this is happening to you mm-hmm. or that you are this strong? You know, all that stuff. So the weird thing is, uh, I'm going to spoil the fuck out of glass right now. So if you don't want to listen. Yeah, skip ahead. Skip ahead. Uh, is that Sarah Paulson's character is part of some sort of like, I guess, like S.H.I.E.L.D.-esque, Illuminati-esque organization. Shamrock Society. The Shamrock Society. <laughs> yes, they have shamrock tattoos. Yeah. Uh, Which I guess is not an official name. That's just what people have started calling them because yeah, they have yeah. shamrock tattoos. Yeah, know? and um, and yeah, she's been like charged with going and like finding these individuals who uh, have you know um, superhero like abilities and just like stopping them and kind of like restoring the balance. Um, the more I thought about it, I was like, this is just kind of like a C movie like level of like Liam Neeson's character in Batman Begins. <laughs> it's like you're trying to restore the balance, but it's just you're really not doing like, like the, the worst of sh- League of Shadows yes. ever. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. The League of Shamrocks. <laughs> yeah. Yes, dude. Oh my God. Dude. The League of Shamrocks. <laughs> yes. Um <laughs> so anyways, um the one thing that I thought was really cool is that uh, Samuel Jackson and Bruce Willis and James McAvoy all die at the end of the movie. Mm. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan kills off, like, for, for good, 100% Murdered. those characters. Yeah. Um, and they're killed by, you know, the League of Shamrocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Dunn is drowned. <laughs> Kevin Wendell Crumb is shot. And, you know, uh, you know uh, Kevin, who, uh, who James McAvoy plays, he kills... Um, Samuel Jackson's character, like he just he breaks a bunch of his bones. I was gonna say, I imagine that was probably pretty easy. Yeah, for yeah, him. yeah. probably didn't even have to go beast mode for that. No, no, yeah. no. Like he grabbed him by the shoulder and then he just like slapped the fuck out of his chest. So I'm pretty <laughs> sure like his whole abdomen just is collapsed. Gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so the reason the movie is called Glass is because at, by the end of the movie, I guess Samuel Jackson just has this overall plan to reveal to the world that people like David Dunn and Kevin Wendell Crumb exist. Mm-hmm. They have powers, uh, you know, they're indestructible or, or whatever it is. There are superheroes in the world. Yeah, because that's League of Shamrock's sort of purview beyond restoring the balance is like keeping it covered up. Correct. Right. So like nobody, you know, the mundane people in the world, you and I, mm-hmm. we don't know about this. Yeah, you know? right. Yeah. So and like that's his overall like plot. 
and plan, but I mean, that's like one of like three twists in the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's a twist. Another twist is that, you know, like in the trailer, you know, he kept saying like, oh, it sounds like the bad guys are teaming up and like Samuel Jackson's on James McAvoy's side and all this other kind of stuff. But a couple people find out, including Samuel Jackson, that there's a connection between him and Kevin Wendell Crumb. And it's the fact that so the reason why James McAvoy is the way he is is because his father left Mm -hmm. right at some point. Right. Yeah. And didn't come back. And we don't know why. But his mother abused him, which is why all these multiple personalities started showing up to protect him and combat that trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. So we end up finding out that his dad was actually on the same train that Bruce Willis was on in the um, in the Unbreakable movie. Yeah. And so and that crash was orchestrated by, by Glass. Yeah. So essentially he killed the Kevin's dad, dad. Yeah. which is why Kevin kills him. Yeah. Right. So um, so it's like little stuff like that that was like, okay, you know, like really trying hard to like connect all this. Yeah, it seems like in and 17 years, somebody could have put those pieces together. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and then, you know, they're all, they're all dead at the end. And the end of the movie is everybody is uh, David Dunn's dad, the David Dunn's son, the w- girl that the, the horde lets live. At the end of Split. Oh, from The Witch? Uh, yeah, the Anna Taylor-Joy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, the, uh, Elijah Glass's mother are the three that are alive, and uh, they are the three who get the um, uh, footage from the mental institute that Samuel H. Jackson has like sent uh, out to them to reveal all the footage of the Horde fighting you know, Bruce Willis mm-hmm. in the front, just basically like revealing to the world that they're out there yeah so like it is an end it is a very open-ended end um and like it just it just kind of is what it is i I feel like i would have more enjoyed um like a a b movie superhero action movie between bruce willis and you know james mcavoy yeah right you know like i'm not saying it would have been any better but it could have been a lot more been fun maybe Yeah, yeah you know and so um so that 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 might have that might have been interesting, but like it, the character that feels too shoehorned in there is Samuel Jackson's character. Okay, he just the like, titular character. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah you that's know. unfortunate. So, um, so it was it was a little bit of a letdown. I'll probably never watch it again. I know I won't buy it, but I mean, yeah. there were things of it that I really there that I really liked. Like I thought James McAvoy was really good in it again, mm-hmm. you know, um, and stuff. But uh, I kind of wanted to know, you know, even though it was kind of corny, I kind of wanted to know more about the League of Shamrocks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was just interesting. Well, I was like, why are we not spending time with this yeah. group a little well, bit more? Well, cuz from what I the stuff that I read online yeah. basically said that like they don't that happens in like the last like 5 minutes of the yeah. movie also or yeah. something. Like all those twists happen like basically in like a 6 minute period. So it's like you can't even like you don't even get a chance to like hang out with and like develop the repercussions of some of these things. Right. Before it's just like, oh, another twist. Oh, another twist. Um so it, you know, it, Ultimately, and and with the League of Shamrocks as well, it sounds like, you know, this has not been even remotely, like, hinted at. There's nothing... You're never going to, like, watch the movie again and be like, oh, that's why they did that. It's like, no, it's just not there until the end. They just go, oh, by the way, Secret Society. Yeah, yeah. Um, But... uh, but yeah, what struck me when I was just reading it is that yeah, this ultimate ending that Samuel Jackson was like, you know, going to re- release this footage like on YouTube to the world is like, okay. 
in 2019, <laughs> like the type of shit that gets put on YouTube, like everybody would look at this and be like, this is like a viral campaign for some new movie or something. You know, like if you saw like you had the security camera footage of like two superheroes fighting, like nobody's going to believe that. Yeah. You know, like the you need way more than that to like prove to the world because it, does the movie actually end with like people are like seeing this? Yeah. And like buying it, and like now the like the words out, like people know, like the words out. But you yeah. know, I mean, it's it's like it ends with them like sitting in a train station, and people are like they start to see it like on their phones, mm-hmm. and then, like it's on the TV, and yeah. you know, there's a news article about it. Okay, and yeah, all this, all this crazy shit. This video would never be getting coverage. No, like everyone would be like, oh, it's some VFX artist like trying to make yeah. a name for himself. You know, yeah, right, something. exactly. Yeah, the last thing people are gonna say is, oh shit, superheroes are real. Yeah, you know, there was a few moments in the movie like when the one the one biggest weak weakness, well, not the biggest, but one of the weaknesses of the movie is. Uh, there are always it's either Samuel Jackson or it's Sarah Paulson or, uh, you know, characters that are on the periphery that are always trying to give each scene a comic book like um, description. OK, so it's like it's like, oh, this is the part where in comic books oh God. it's and it's it's really fucking rough. It's like, yeah. no, I get it. Like, it's like Scream. I, the, yeah. Like the but ins- Scream was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the point of Scream. <laughs> right. Was, yeah. You know that, you know. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, hold on, you're making a movie where you're, you know, giving a running, you know, dialogue and thoughts on like superhero movies and superhero characters in general and how they pertain to the real world. And for the last 15 years, like we've been getting nothing but superhero movies. So like yeah. your audience knows what at least a superhero movie is, which is essentially like a comic book and that structure. So like, why are you having to, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the audience. Why is this dialogue part of the movie? The audience for comic book movies is a lot more sophisticated than it was in 2000. You know, it's like in in the terms of like they understand the mechanics that underpin how these movies work. Yeah. Because there's there's a formula now. Right, right, right. You know, they get it. (laughs) There's a scene where Sarah Paulson walks into a uh, comic book shop and there's like two, you know, fat kids in the corner looking at comics and they're like, oh, like the villain in this book, he's like, they're great because he's always make. there's always like a secret thing. Like he's always making you look this way when you should be looking that way. And of course, Sarah Paulson, who's the smartest woman in this movie, now the light bulb goes on. Mm-hmm. And this is how she realizes, <laughs> right, that Samuel Jackson was like, maybe he was making me look this way mm-hmm. instead of that way. And it's in this moment that she realizes that he escaped the he escaped the institution specific in a specific way so that he could email all that footage out mm. uh, all the camera footage that ran through the what do you call it and in this moment when she figures this out there's a camera footage of her walking into a lobby and I thought for a second it was going to reveal that she had powers as well mm. I thought something was going to happen or she was going to scream and I thought her motivation ended up being that like, you know, she didn't want to be put out there. This was another reason why, but it didn't. She just screamed in this hallway because she got duped and like, that was it. And I'm like, oh, God, mm. come on. Lame. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Give me something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, it was, it was okay. You know, it was, um, it's definitely not the movie I hoped I would have gotten, mm. you know, but each of those, you know, Unbreakable has such a distinct like style, yeah, and pace to it. Split has such a distinct style and pace to it, but this one just doesn't 
is lost as to what its sure. pace and yeah. style should be because yeah. it's trying to fit with three styles and paces mm-hmm. and it should have there should have just been a general like right and also yeah it seems like it really just you know struggling with the fact that there's yeah there's nowhere else to go with these characters no like you've already done it yeah. you know the only thing that this movie could exist for is for david dunn and the horde to fight each other and you didn't even do that. No. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. I <laughs> that's mean, they, like, that's the, really the only place you left to go mm-hmm. with these characters is for them to duke it out. Yeah. And, nah. And some of the parts that they did duke it out were like, they were kind of fun. I was yeah. like, okay, this is going to be the whole movie. Like, mm-hmm. them violently throwing themselves, throwing each other into like cement bricks and blocks. Right, and, yeah. And like, you're just like, the audio, I saw it at Dolby Atmos. So it was just like, oh, yeah. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, man, David Dunn is a rock. <laughs> like, yes, let's go. And then it was just talking for an hour and 40 minutes. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, let's all right now. Let's let's set up a premise where we lock you guys in separate <laughs> rooms from each other. I mean, it was just from the get go. It was like you just you don't understand. You're yeah. on, you're just M Night Shyamalaning this whole thing. Yeah. A better title and a better yeah. movie would have just been like the Horde, mm-hmm. and it's just that's the movie we're going after the Horde. Yeah. You know, like I'd have been fine. At least I would like you know get why that movie exists. It's like yeah, yeah you've set up this like battle, and now people want to see it resolve. Yeah, exactly. So fucking do that. That's it. Instead so that's Glass. Fucking League of Shamrocks. League of Shamrocks. Yeah. Is that our? Is that yeah. our? Uh, I'm into that. Is that our off ramp? <laughs> a side off ramp for, so. for. I'm already. I'm already thinking about the League of Shamrocks movie. Yes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Yeah, and so you have like Roz O'Goul instead of Roz Al Ghul. Just throw in some Irish shit. Yes. <laughs> Talia O'Goul. Talia O'Goul. O- it's O'Goul. like O'Toole, O-T- but yeah. yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I'd watch that movie, actually. If M. Night Shyamalan's next movie was League of Shamrocks, starring Roz O'Goul, starring Liam Neeson as Roz, Roz O'Goul. O'Goul. <laughs> Day one for me, man. I'm there. Oh, my God. Yeah. You got to get your tattoo first. <laughs> I'll, see, I'll see the movie first. Yeah. <laughs> um, all, all right. So should we get to Arctic? Now we can move on to Arctic. Seeing yeah. as how we are currently living in the Arctic in Chicago. Yes, it is. This is a very appropriate trailer. It also turns out to be literally the only trailer at least uh, when I looked on IMDb at like the coming soon list, yeah, they had two movies listed for for February first, which is Miss Bala, which we recorded reviewed, early, reviewed we last week. Early. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. we did that a week early. <laughs> but and this movie Arctic are literally the only two things coming out. All right. Um, I mean, I'm sure there's you know VOD or like smaller yeah. releases happening, but um, yeah, according to the list we looked at, there was only one option, which is Arctic. So. Yeah, and it just turned out to be appropriate because it's literally like this whole week here in Chicago, this upcoming week is supposed to be like like single digit to like negative. Yeah. You know, is basically what we're going to be living it's in. It's like one degree out, but it feels like negative 21. Yeah. That's what it is. Yep. It's exactly what it is. It's like it's so cold that like when your boots crunch the snow, it like makes your teeth hurt. Yeah. Because it's just, it's so, you can feel and hear, like, every ice crystal just being, like, compacted and, like, grinding against yes. itself because they're just <laughs> that solidified with frozenness. <laughs> I walked down my, my back balcony today to take the garbage out, and, like, every step I took, I literally thought, like, the entire wooden yeah, oh staircase yeah. was just going to 
crumble underneath me. Yeah. Because it was just like... Yeah, it's, oh, it was bad. It's it's rough. <laughs> it was bad. Um, so it's pretty brutal outside. It looks beautiful. Sun's shining. Yeah, snow on the ground. Bouncing. You know, it's very bright. And you know, it looks like if you looked at a window from across the room and couldn't actually see the ground outside, you might think it was summer. But but it ain't. But it's not. Yeah, it sucks. It's the Arctic out there, starring Mads Mikkelsen. Um. All right. This movie is directed by Joe Penna, and uh, I meant to. I meant to do this. I was looking him up this morning, but he has three short films on YouTube. Yeah. And they look uh, to all have a sci-fi mm-hmm. angle to them. And I actually do want to check them out because all three of them sound pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, but this is his first uh, feature film uh, with Mads Mikkelsen. And it's all about a uh, the IMDb plot is a man stranded in the Arctic after an airplane crash must decide whether to remain in the relative safety of his makeshift camp or to embark on a deadly trek through the unknown in the hopes of making it out alive. Bum, bum, bum. Um, the only thing that plot doesn't tell you is that it looks like he has a passenger that he's trying to he does. keep alive. Seems like an important part of the story. Just a little bit. From the trailer. Yeah, this is the reason why he decides whether or not he's going to Yeah, Yeah, it's out. not. he's not making this decision just for himself. It's basically, yeah. Yeah. Um, this yeah, this woman that is a passenger or other survivor mm-hmm. uh, appears to have some sort of deteriorating injury yeah. or condition that is threatening her life, which is what yeah uh, provides the impetus for the journey into danger. Right. Um, so yeah, it's a bit more than just one guy sitting around like, ah, do I hang out here? Or should I risk it? You know, <laughs> because you know he's obviously cool with just chilling there. Like, yeah, he can make it. You yeah, know? he's fucking Mads Mikkelsen. Yeah. He's gonna hang out. It's good. Yeah. It's like cold, whatever. <laughs> um, I really like the opening of the of the trailer. Mm. Uh, it's just like a close up shot of him. It looks like he's just digging for something. Yeah. So you know, and then like the camera just does that you know snapshot uh, overhead, and it just says SOS, and yeah. that's what he's been making in carved the snow. into the snow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I really like how that's set up. Mm-hmm. Like there's just like this. I'm already like in to the movie. Yeah. At, by that point, with with that shot, and I almost wonder if like that's how it starts. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. It's. I mean, you know. It sets up the stakes really well, mm-hmm. and it's one of those like, yeah, what you know, yeah, uh, you know, we've all seen like man versus nature survival. You know, we, like we get it. You're stranded in the Arctic. Yeah, you know, you're you're in this like you know wreck of a pl- airplane. Right. You know, obviously it crashed. Do we really need to see the like? Oh God, we're losing pressure, yeah. guys. <laughs> you know, like it's we we understand. Yeah, you know, right, right. It went wrong, and you're here now. Mm-hmm. So that's really where it's you know where the story is. Yeah. Um. So, uh, so yeah, no, I would be, to- I liked also how, yeah, just how the trailer just kind of like started and I would really appreciate it if the movie just kind of started that way as well. Yeah. Um, cause I like how, you know, I like how just sort of, you know, stoic and like austere it is right from the get go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, we feel, you know, we don't have to like, you know, see them at like a party in the Bahamas at the beginning before they get on this ill-fated, you know, plane right. ride to like know what we're leaving behind or like what's at stake or what we're trying to get back to, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we can all understand and like relate to the just general survival instinct and like, yeah. you know, you don't want to be here. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> Nobody wants to be there. Yeah. So, yeah, you got to get the fuck out <laughs> and then now yeah, this injured person. So like that just all seems like a lot of like artificial trappings that, you know, in a you know, like, like how to make movies, you know, beginner's guide, they would tell you, you need this stuff to like establish this about the character and like their familial relations and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you really don't like, Mm -hmm. 
people can bring that back in a lot of ways you know it might be better to let people imprint their own yes things onto this character by stripping it of all of that yeah. you know and just allowing us to just come into this situation and having to imagine you know even through his like what he's willing to do to potentially care for this person and, mm-hmm. and get her to safety what other relations or relationships in his life he might be drawing from you know in order to you know that give him that compassion right because a right. lot of people in that situation would be like fuck you survival of the fittest yeah. i'm out you yeah. know but he's obviously you know not willing to even consider that mm-hmm. option so you know i like the idea of it giving you um you know the the opportunity to put your own shit onto this character yeah uh, rather than, yeah, exactly, just show it all in the beginning in the first, like, five minutes compacted in a totally, like, shallow, superficial way that actually means nothing, where it's, like, there's a real opportunity here for the viewer to imprint something more meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, themselves. Yeah. So so I think it's, a, you know, I like you know, it's an interesting approach, assuming that's how the movie actually starts. Yeah. Could be totally wrong. It might do all the shit I just <laughs> said. <laughs> I hope it doesn't do. Um, One of the things that's really hard for me with... Um, this this kind of movie is um, how you make these movies are always just kind of depressing. Like yeah, you're in the snow. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like more so sometimes. Like I'll watch a movie like this and I'm I'm just kind of like, wow, fuck. Like the filmmakers did it. Like they made this movie. You know, like sometimes it's more interesting to me like how the movie got made as opposed to like what's actually happening mm-hmm. in the movie. You know, um, like when I watched this trailer, like I thought about like the Revenant. You yeah, know? and and basically it's like, how do you make this trope of a movie where you're like stranded, the plane's crashed, you're in the so, you're battling, you know, like hypothermia, elements, yeah. you know, all this kind of stuff, you know, bears, you know, everything. Like, there's there's always a bear, yeah, of some kind or something. Goddamn you know? right. So, um, so it's all all in how to um, how do you make it like fresh and interesting and yeah. like new for a viewer to like want to see and i mean that's with any movie but like especially i think with like elements types movies like we're in the jungle Mm -hmm. or you know it's we're in the arctic or you know what i mean like we're in the sahara we're in a desert and it's just like okay i can probably point out a few beats that are going to happen but let's see like how you do those beats and if you do them like the same way everybody else has you know um and then like reading right now the uh the plot synopsis of it like part of me wonders if like that 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 woman that he's helping if like if she's just like dead and like this is all just like mm-hmm. in his in his mind see and he's just like carrying a corpse around or it's, something, <laughs> you it's <know>? like <laughs> that would be amazing then it would be like this arctic version of the original django movie yeah not, not django unchained yeah, the yeah. tarantino one that he you know was referencing with that but yeah. the, in the original django he's he's carrying a coffee coffin around with him okay he just okay. shows up in this town like dragging this coffin behind him yeah and, you know it's kind of the whole movie is like what's in what's right. in the coffin you know uh-huh um, it's awesome, nice. uh, but uh, but that would be interesting if that and I hadn't thought about yeah. it like that. It's funny you mentioned that though because what I had thought about, of course, is the gray. That's what the next um, one I was going to mention. You know, yeah, and and I what I was just love the gray. Yeah, I really really liked love that movie a lot too. I I was shocked how much I liked it. Um, but uh, you know, it's it, it, what a lot of people complained about. You know, they thought it was going to be Liam Neeson punching wolves for an hour and a half, <laughs> yeah. and it's it's. It is, you know, not that very much intentionally not that, you know, the entire time. But that movie, like, uh, in terms of, again, like Im- imbuing this, like, well, first of all, it's just starting, you know, like the gray just starts. It just starts and, like yeah. it's we're fucked. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
Um, but again, this like, you know, that movie did a really interesting job of like riding the line of personal information because there's this little flashback scene that kind of is recurring yes. through the movie and it gives you some context for Liam Neeson's character. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, another piece of information is revealed about that flashback. Yeah. That completely flips everything around. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's really cool the way that like you know, he withheld that information um, throughout the movie and not in like a contrived way, like the way it's revealed and the way, you know, the journey this character's having, you can understand like why in his own mind even he wasn't revisiting yeah. this one element of that, right. you know? So it does a really interesting job of like, you know, playing with a uh, minimal and also a strict control of information you have about a character's personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, if this, you know, this might be one way that this movie could differentiate itself is if it does take more of this, like, I don't want to say like every man approach with Mads Mikkelsen, because he obviously has a personality as a character and right. like very, you know, clear, like values and virtues mm-hmm. and I'm sure flaws as well. Um, but uh but still, like keeping him um, uh, open enough as like a vessel for yeah. people to be able to impart some of their own, right, you know, right, right. personality traits or or beliefs or whatever onto and and identify with the character through that. Yeah. Rather than by giving them some sort of yeah, like you know, emotional backstory that like forces you to kind of identify with their their plight. Yeah. So right. you know, it'd be an interesting that would be an interesting approach to this movie, and I think that to your point could help um, you know differentiate it from the many many other you know man versus nature movies that are out there. Right. As you already mentioned, like The Revenant and um, The Revenant. Uh, I feel like it was. I mean, I mean, so much of what we watch, like like Alfonso Cuarón movies and Alejandro Iñárritu, who did you know Revenant, is yeah. like there's a there's a there's um it's like how it's like shot you know, is, is just as important yes. for, and I'm not trying to say that like Arctic or, or the gray doesn't have those things as well. Like, but, uh, you know, those, something like the Revenant is, is heightened a little bit more because of, you know, like the choice of camera, the choice of shot, yeah. the choice of like, Hey, there's like a 15 minute one shot here or something like that, you know, on top of being, um, you know, uh, culturally, um, you know, accurate to the time period that they're, you know, representing in, in the movie, the Revenant, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and then with, uh, with the gray, it's like subverting, ex- subverting expectations. Like you're going in, like you said, expecting man versus wolves. Yeah. And you're getting this like beautiful soliloquy about like life. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and death and yeah. in the middle of yeah survival. survival yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, no, it's, it, I mean, it makes a huge difference. Cause like, you know, to, if you're fighting the elements and you're fighting nature, it's like in a lot of ways, the camera has to be attuned and the filmmaker has to be attuned to like the rhythm of the elements that you're fighting and like the feel right. of those elements and be able to like convey them and how, you know, cause it's like anything, you know, the way you present it is going to really like give it that visceral kind of feel to it or completely rob it of it you know right yeah if you're too static in a place like that then you know you're not going to really get the feel of what it's like to try to move through this stuff you Mm -hmm. know and like if the camera feels like it has to you know if if the camera itself just feels like it's arduous yeah going while we're watching a character who's trying to trudge through the snow it just like enhances that feeling you know even more yeah like good filmmakers know how to work with that and things like that so you know, it, it makes an enormous difference. And I, I think I was telling you a few weeks ago when I watched this movie called Letter Never Sent, 
Um, it's from 1955. It's a Soviet movie um, that this guy, uh, Mikhail Kolotazov, mm-hmm. directed with the cinematographer uh, and was working with the cinematographer Sergei Urasevsky, who they really famously made this movie called I Am Cuba. Okay. That has this like. Uh, rightfully so, incredibly famous shot um, of this like Cuban revolutionary's funeral. Oh, you um, did tell me about this. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's one of the like coolest shots ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's from like 1961 or something. Or I'm sorry, Letter Never Sent is from 59. Um, yeah, and then after that, they did I Am Cuba in like 61 or 62 or something like that. But they only made three movies together. The first movie together was The Cranes Are Flying, which I haven't seen either. Mm-hmm. But um when i watched letter never sent i was amazed i was like this is the template for the revenant yeah like 100 percent in ritu and lubezki watched this movie yeah yeah i mean it is there were so many things about it like not in any like copycat kind of way Mm -hmm. where i'm like leveling a criticism against them like no they just like i i think i think in a lot of ways is lubezki's kind of predecessor as a cinematographer okay just the way that he uses his camera um, is so reminiscent of Lubezki's style. Yeah. And this guy was doing it in the fucking 1950s. You know, it's <laughs> crazy. So, like, you know, they, they made this movie called Letter Never Sent, which is a, a you know, group of people. Um, they're, like, these geologists that are going out to this really remote area in, um, you know, somewhere in, well, at the time it was still, you know, like the USSR or whatever. But, okay, okay. Um, you know, some really fucking super remote area in like Siberia or some shit. Yeah. Because uh, all their like geological findings are pointing at there's diamonds somewhere here. Okay. In this region. Yeah. And we have to find them, you know, and it's like, you know, we can go during the summer because that's the only time where it's even remotely like inhabitable. But after that, it's like, it's fucked. You got to be out, you know? Right, right. So... So, you know, they're dropped off in this place. And again, this is the 50s. They don't all have like GPSs and smartphones. It's basically, you know, they have a radio Uh and it's one of these like, you know, you're getting picked up on this day at this time. (laughs) So fucking be there. Yeah. Like um, other than that, you're kind of on your own. And so anyway, so, yeah, they, you know, uh, they end up getting like this whole huge forest fire like erupts Mm -hmm. and they're, you know, kind of trapped in there. And their radio's broken, and, you know, there's helicopters and planes looking for them, but there's all this smoke, you know, from the forest fires that, like, they can't see anything. So, like, they're just trying to, like, get out, and, you know, and then, of course, like, it just gets worse and worse and worse. (laughs) um, But it's really amazing, like, the way that Urusevsky and and Kolodazov, like, uh, orchestrate all of this stuff to be, yeah, like, in these really wild environments with this really intense weather going on, these outrageously uh, uh, complexly choreographed and technical camera movements that feel at the, at the end of it, you know, just as a filmmaker, I know how technical this is, but when you watch it, the feel of it is so like viscerally documentary esque, Mm -hmm. you know, where it just feels like, no, the camera guy was just there with them, you know, trying to capture this shit. And it's, you know, so it matches the intensity of like, you know, it feels as hectic Mm -hmm. or as scared or as, you know, um, as uh, pensive even, you know, it also just like Lubezki can also, you know, go from, yeah, these like amazing, like flowing, moving camera shots that go on for 10 minutes to this just like beautifully, perfectly rigid composed shot yeah you know and like the poetry in both is as profound right and they don't feel disjointed from each other either it's like it's all clearly part of the same sensibility Mm -hmm. and um 
it really yeah it was it was just amazing to watch and be like wow this is just so cool to like look back in time and like you know feel that much more connected to these filmmakers working now and like where they drew their inspiration from yeah and all that and on top of it, it was just a fucking great movie yeah. you know just amazing to watch like the whole time <laughs> you're just like man this was an accomplishment in like 2016 you yeah, know when right. they made the revenant these guys did it fucking 60 years earlier <laughs> <laughs> like Jesus oh Christ. God. Yeah, it's it's so good. And I mean, really, really incredible movie. But uh, but anyway, what it got me thinking about was that, you know, just survival movies in general or these man versus nature movies, mm-hmm. you know, they, they do by virtue, again, man versus nature. It's like, a you know, it, acknowledging how small you are. Yes. is a big part of it in relationship to everything else. You know, we always think that we fucking run this place, you know, but you can get into situations where it's clear that like, no, 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 humans don't run <laughs> shit. You know, <laughs> we've created our little bubbles, but yeah. you know, the, the nature's king. Right. And um, so, so, you know, by virtue that brings up a lot of, you know, spiritual things. Yeah. Um, uh, dealing with questions of, what is larger than you, you know, mm-hmm. not just like as a human in the world, but just like in terms of like how we look at the physical world, you yeah. know, what's beyond that? Because there's obviously you can't help but like certain landscapes, especially these really oppressive ones that aren't touched by humans because it's like uninhabitable. Mm-hmm. You can't help but like be struck by the fact that like there's something more going on here, you yeah, know, like right, this exactly. didn't just happen, yeah, you know, by chance, yeah. Um, and again, I'm, you know, I'm sure I've mentioned it before. I'm an atheist, you know, Mm -hmm. but I do believe I still have some sense of spirituality though. I don't, I don't subscribe to any organized religion or believe in like the traditional God. Right. But, you know, I mean, especially as a creative person, there's definitely times where you're like, I don't know where this is coming from, you know, and it feels like you're functioning as a conduit for like something larger out there. Right. You know, and so that's what you know, that's always kind of the attraction to me in a lot of ways for man versus nature movies beyond just like, yeah, the, you know, sometimes just insane lengths that these crews and cast <laughs> went to to like produce yeah. these movies um, is, you know, the chance to like explore that idea mm-hmm. from a more abstract standpoint. You know, certain movies sure get into very much like, a okay, I'm talking to God right now through this avalanche, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, right and right. I think they're at their worst when they do that. I think they're at their best when it's a more just sort of like open ended question of like a larger power or spirituality and like wrestling with that. Mm-hmm you know, finding your, your place or like, you know, being humbled to like acknowledge that, you know, there is something greater or more powerful than you out there in the world. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm not getting any of that from Arctic. Okay. At all. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm not sure how I feel about that. Is it because you're thinking a lot about man versus nature movies and in, in like general and like i think so that's, yeah i mean you know i can't help it when i see yeah, when you right. see that exactly. trailer yeah. just like you know and and just like in terms of like genre or you know its predecessors and things like that yeah. like where these types of movies go and where they draw their like substance from right um you know it's it's interesting because for me that's just that's such a like a you know natural and i don't mean that in like a uncreative or like that's you know that's going the easy route kind of way mm-hmm. with these movies but it is very natural to get into things like that with yeah. these types of movies and so i you know i generally am am interested in them for that yeah um beyond just like the tension of like oh man how's he going to survive you know it's it's i like being stuck there to like get into those more like meditative and like kind of philosophical moments right right um you know so 
so I'm curious, you know, the fact that like this movie doesn't see, it really seems to be like a really stripped down. Yes. To just like, I mean, we just got these two people and they're just trying to fucking make it out of here. Yeah. And like, I, you know, I kind of dig that, Mm -hmm. like just on the surface level, I I think that's cool. And again, I've, you know, to me that, that implies at least that there's this possibility that they're going to leave this character, this, this nice blend of like empty vessel, but also having a personality where, yeah, you get to like really identify on a more unspoken level with them just through their actions. And like, that's exactly, you know, when you can just watch and like they're, they've never explained themselves, but you're just like, holy, I would have done the same fucking thing. You know, you're just like, damn, I get this guy. Yeah. Um, those are, can be really profound moments. So, you know, the fact that it's, it's this movie again, just from this trailer appears to be kind of stripped of this, just like, you know, again, this would be the super histrionic way of putting it, of like screaming at the heavens. Why me? You know, <laughs> kind of aspect of these types yeah. of movies, which again, that would be the worst way to do that in one of these movies. Yeah. But, right. Um, is uh is is you know at at first a little disheartening because again as i said that's where i find a lot of the substance to these beyond just the sort of like okay he's going to be in trouble for about 30 minutes still because you know the movie is only an hour in so you know that that gets a little tedious for me but the fact that this is like so stripped down uh or appears to be like you know that's something that in a lot of arts and a lot of like genres um, you know, when when they get like sort of into a rut or like they all are kind of doing the same thing, that's usually a really good way of like rejuvenating, rejuvenating yeah. those things in a lot of ways yeah. is to just like let's strip it back down to its basics and just do a good what happens when we remove all of the like fluff right around this and just get back to it's just a couple people trying to fucking survive, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, in a lot of ways, you start to realize that, like, there's chance for new ways to be profound because you're not trying to, like, load this baggage on that all these other movies have brought to this type of filmmaking before. Yeah. You can look at it with fresh eyes and, yeah, maybe have an opportunity when you have a blank canvas to see something new. Yeah. Um, so so that's, you know, that's why I'm kind of on the fence about it. Okay. On the one hand, I'm like, you know, that's uh, that substance is what gives me, you know, uh, actual meaning from these movies and allows me to actually enjoy them. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was saying, rather than just become an exercise in how to raise the stakes, Yeah, you know, right. um, which they can easily fall into. And you have to do that with these movies too. You know, there is a bear. Yep. There's definitely a bear. He's trying to get in that hole. He's trying to get in that hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder if that's a reference to how many people thought, you know, Leo was being ass raped by the bear in the Revenant. Now the bear is like, he's trying to get in the hole. Uh, like well, yeah. It, okay. Know? Yeah. Um, Anyway, sorry, a little toilet humor there, a little levity. But uh, but yeah, so you know, so that's where I'm sitting. I could see this as being a really positive thing or a really negative thing for the movie, um, if that really ends up being how it is, Mm -hmm. um, that it's this kind of stripped down approach. A couple things that you mentioned that I wanted to touch on was when you're talking about like you know how like when you're making a movie like this, the filmmaker just has to be very well aware of you know the the surroundings and like how to shoot that kind of thing and how to shoot the surroundings. But I thought about, um, like I was thinking about Revenant. I was thinking about the gray. I was thinking about lost city of Z. Oh yeah. And, oh, yeah, yeah. and then I also was thinking about, uh, the thing, the mm-hmm. John Carpenter's yeah. the thing, how just like the opening of that movie is like, I feel like the beginning of that movie is just, it's a lot of big wide shots yeah. until we're inside. And then we're all very close with everybody. You know, and like that claustrophobia starts to to come in. So it's just like, you know, watching that movie, it's like you start off really like, oh, okay, we're all good. Like there's kind of nothing around. But as the movie keeps going and going and going, like it's like the frame 
in certain parts just keeps getting smaller and smaller yeah, and smaller because totally. it's like who is it who is it who is it who is it so that's that last shot with kurt russell and it's just him and the other dude just sitting there face to face with each other and it's just like right there and like, then you, and yeah. then we cut to the wide shot and the whole place is on fire yes <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah yeah no it's amazing i mean it does and such a yeah such a good job of just like making making bu- every alternative is a bad one you yeah. know like in the wide yes. shots it's this oppressive environment right and then the closer you get to everybody you're like but he's a fucking alien yeah, i want exactly. out and it's like yeah. but you know what's out there yeah nothing it's like fuck yeah this, yeah god it's so good um so i was thinking i was thinking a lot about you know just how carpenter did that like how you know the how to shoot that environment differently you know um and then when you're talking about you know these you know man versus versus nature movies are a way to just explore different sort of like maybe uh spiritual things uh you know or, or exercises and, and stuff like that um you know revenant was about you know going after his 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 son mm-hmm. you know and like you know revenge you know in a, in a way and then you know um I think Liam Neeson is contemplating like suicide the entire movie, mm. or at least that's how we're kind of introduced to his character yeah. in the gray, you know? Um, and, uh, and then for like, uh, <laughs> for like the thing I kept thinking about, like this movie would just be like really horrible for someone with OCD. And it's just like the biggest germaphobe. Ever. Uh-huh. Like you're in like, you know, <laughs> you can get out, but like, yeah, right. fuck, you know? <laughs> um, so I, you know, I, I kind of wonder what, what uh you know i think uh, the director is also a co-writer on this movie like i sometimes think like why why make a movie like this yeah why make a movie in the elements you know why put yourself and a crew and everything through it and it i can the only way to think of it is that it is something like personal mm-hmm. like you're trying to use like the landscape and the character or the just the two characters as like a metaphor yeah. for something bigger or something that's important to you you know um and in that sense that's when it becomes like incredibly unique mm-hmm. to it but um yeah i agree with you on being like half in and kind of half out yeah because um, the other thing i thought about was like would i really pay attention to this movie if you know not that they're terrible actors but if like you know Bruce Willis or Jean-Claude Van Damme were in this movie, <laughs> you know, like what I really, yeah. you know what I mean? The Mads, the Mads factor is, is a, a big one. And the, yeah, yeah, right. So Love the, that dude. I, I, yeah, I'll watch him do anything, anything, you know? So, um, and then like, I just watched a trailer the, this past week called the bodyguard. I think it's the bodyguard or the, the bouncer or something mm-hmm. with Jean-Claude Van Damme in it. That does not look like, uh, I'm pretty sure it will be a straight to, you know, you know vod and stuff but like it's got much more of a style than any of his like vod trailers okay look and like half the movie is in like you know french and like the Mm. other half is in is is in english yeah and you know like i wanted to see it like it looked kind of (laughs) good all right you know i mean i was just really kind of taken with like (laughs) There's not a lot of dialogue. It's all in everybody's faces. It just doesn't seem like, you know, one of your regular, like, go-tos for this kind of movie. But, yeah, you know, seeing that and then watching this trailer, I thought about, like, would I really be paying attention to this, you know, man versus nature movie if there was another actor who I thought, like, sure, well, yeah. he's just kind of, you know, this is a cheeky movie. You know? Yep. <laughs> this isn't real. They just <laughs> threw some snow in a parking lot somewhere, you know? Like, right, That right. kind of thing. Um, but no, that's a good point. I, yeah. yeah, if... if like Mads weren't in this, yeah. I probably like I probably wouldn't even like watch the trailer. Right, you know? Yeah, it was yeah. kind of the big thing. I was like, oh, it's like just gonna be Mads Mikkelsen for an hour and a half. I could probably watch that. Yeah, yeah. right. But yeah, it's so I'm I'm 
exactly like ex- equally on the fence about like every element of this movie it mm-hmm. seems like because yeah if it's just 90 minutes of like a screenwriting exercise yeah you know of like yeah like i said before how to raise the stakes and just yeah. like oh it's more precarious now than it was a minute ago <laughs> you know is like not interesting to me yeah i sat through those classes in film school right <laughs> um so watching that stuff usually just kind of like annoys mm-hmm. slash infuriates me if yeah. there's not like something more to it. Right. Um, and that more can take uh, many different forms. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be this like he's going to stare up and like, you know, yeah, contemplate the silence of God while staring at a fire or something like that. That doesn't, yeah, that doesn't right. need to be a scene. You know, the, it can take many forms. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it just seems equally concerning on like all fronts that like it could go either way. And especially you like. I like this guy, this director, Joe Penna. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Um, you know, he like just started making videos and putting them on YouTube. Yeah. I think it's from like South America or something like that. And then now he's got a fucking feature film with Mads Mikkelsen. Like, right. Good for you, dude. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I like I said, that's what makes me even more concerned mm-hmm. that this is a screenwriting exercise is that like this is a guy who was just making stuff on YouTube and now he's making his first feature film. So, yeah, did he just like get a screenwriting book for like a feature? <laughs> <And> basically, <laughs> he's like, oh, OK, cool. Yeah, no, yeah. I can make it more intense every few pages. It uh, you know what? I I'm going to read. I'm going to re- I don't know if you looked at his IMDb or not mm-hmm. uh, at all. But like, yeah, yeah. Uh, the three, so I just want to read the the synopsis to the three shorts okay. that he has. So one is called Instant Getaway. It came out in 2014, and it says, um, after teleporting into Texas illegally, a young man from Mexico stands trial for murder. Uh, it's a short drama sci-fi. Uh, another one in 2015 is called Beyond, a multi-era tale about a man's struggle with immortality. Um, and then in 2015... Uh, he has one called Turning Point. Uh, it's f- abandoned and exposed to a deadly disease. A young woman wakes up to discover she must survive the night alone. Um, so I don't know. Based off just the synopses for these three shorts, uh, my interest in Arctic yeah. is has become is is a little heightened because mm-hmm. I now wonder if there is some sort of like sci-fi element to it mm. because it, you know like it, he seems to be kind of marry, marrying these like everyday sort of like it's a murder trial but there's time travel involved with somebody who accidentally came into a country illegally right you know what i mean stuff like that like he's finally gonna get out of there and then you realize it's like a hundred years in the future or something something. you know what i mean or he's on a different planet yeah or it's do you know what i mean or like like this this arctic the entire time was like new york city something something, you know it's gonna have one of the oh the whole like planets succumb to like you know global warming and climate change i should say yeah uh and that yeah now it's like uninhabitable basically everywhere or it's a planet of apes yep Dr. Zayas, Dr. Zayas. Damn you, <laughs> <to hell. laughs> um, but no based on just the I, all those shorts I, I'm, I don't know if they're all on youtube i'm sure they are because he's yeah he's yeah. put them mm-hmm. um you know i definitely want to watch all those because i just feel like yeah they sound interesting or at least i hope an element of those ideas that he seems to carry those sci-fi elements like carry over you know into arctic in mm-hmm. some way um so I guess yeah. I'm hoping to be surprised with it. Sure. And I, I probably would go, uh, you know. Yeah. Just based on, like, because there's already been some reviews out for it. And I didn't read, like, full reviews or anything yeah, like yeah. that. But just the little, like, snippets I saw kind of make it seem like that's probably not the case. Okay. Like, I think it is, like, a straight ahead yeah, kind of yeah. just man versus nature, like, okay. survival movie. All right. 
it would be cool if there was like you know or at least interesting if there was some kind of like little twist like that but again even that would still have to be standing on a foundation of like a quality film yeah you know for the for that little twist to actually like yeah uh add anything or really enhance the proceedings right right. otherwise it's just like man you just fucking put a twist ending on a shit movie (laughs) it doesn't (laughs) wins you no favor with me sir um okay i have a question for you what's up if you were to make a man versus nature movie mm-hmm. uh, and you had, you know, your say in who you wanted in it, what form of nature mm. and what actor or actress would Jesus. you put in it? Uh, <laughs> that's a, I mean, that's a nasty one because I hate I hate being that cold, but I hate being that hot, too. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Because I'm also, you know, so of, course, fall, of course, thinking about like Fitzcarraldo <laughs> yeah. as well and like, you know, shooting that in the rainforest and like yeah. watching Burden of Dreams, what they went through. You know, it's like a, all these movies, like if you do a proper man versus nature movie, like your production mirrors the film, you know, like yes. you go through what your fucking character goes through. Yes. And like, I feel like that would stop me from making <laughs> <laughs> like one of those movies just i mean unless you know i'd have to really really be taken by like a story mm-hmm. you know that i wanted to tell to like you know commit to that because i would commit to anything that i have a story for that i really believe yeah in, you know yeah, yeah, that yeah. wouldn't deter me right um i don't have something like that in mind right now mm-hmm. so in my head you know well i guess you know uh, <laughs> script i'm working on deals a lot with um you know being at, stranded at sea Mm-hmm. in the ocean yeah and like i mean that's every bit as much of a man versus nature yeah. horrible environment to be stuck in because again that's like torrential downpours and then also like beating sun with nothing you right know? Yeah. being surrounded by water you can't drink you know when you're like dying of thirst mm-hmm. is pretty nasty yeah yeah <laughs> um so i guess that you know my current just what i'm currently working on would would seem to suggest that some sort of yeah like a aquatic or naval based scenario where one is stranded out in the ocean mm-hmm. um would probably be where i'd head right now so dunkirk too. um oh god they were stranded on a beach <laughs> the water was there too. yeah you know. i'm talking they're out in the water oh well okay deprived yeah, of yeah, land yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, okay there's okay. nowhere to go yeah um but uh you know i like watching jason statham being stressed out is always very entertaining. Okay. He's good at that. Yeah. Like, and I, you know, it'd be interesting after uh, we talked about this a bit when we saw the Meg, mm. how, which is a horribly disappointing movie, yeah, you is. know? And like, again, I, I'll contextualize that by saying, if you haven't listened to our episode about the Meg, you should, uh, we were not like excited for this, like being a good movie. We were excited for it being exactly what it should have been, yes. which is just a fucking stupid movie about a big shark eating way too many things at a time. <laughs> And it was not that at all. And listening to mass it's, amounts of Bobby Darren. Yes. Swimming <laughs> <laughs> around. Yeah. It's feeling good about life. Yeah, that's it. I still want that movie. Um, the uh, uh, the Michael Madsen starring Megalodon movie that oh, uh, yes. yeah that the Asylum produced Asylum, uh, yeah. is actually the superior film. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the one good takeaway from the Meg, though, uh-huh. was that like Jason Statham was actually like stripped of having a bunch of like cool one-liners and like martial arts scenes. Yeah. He was still able to carry the movie. Oh yeah. And like be entertaining to watch. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, you know, and a lot of that just rode on, you know, cause he can't, unfortunately he was never given the opportunity to go out and like fist fight the shark. Cause Sadly. that would have been fucking Sadly awesome. he wasn't. Yeah. yeah. Um, so most of his, you know, uh, 
I guess, conflict or engagement with the conflict in the movie involves him being in some sort of like submersible vehicle yeah. or otherwise and being in a high pressure situation that he has to figure out and solve, <laughs> even though it's mirroring a prior high pressure situation he was in where he failed and he's still <laughs> carrying that demon with him and he's fighting it while he's like trying to save everybody's <laughs> life now. But anyway, um, he did a, a better than you would expect job of being able to carry those scenes just on okay. that level, yeah. you know? And so I feel like in a, a survival scenario where he could be put into an even like more kind of like stressed out capacity mm-hmm. um, and have to convey those things it might be at least be interesting to see if he could really pull that off. Because um, so, the Meg at least gave me an inkling that potentially he could. So, yeah. So you would do another aquatic aquatic adventure with Jason Statham. I'm thinking you're going straight for Moby Dick. What was... I'm uh, thinking Statham <laughs> is your captain going after mm-hmm. the Great White. It could be. Or, yeah, just trying to... So what, was, uh, what was that movie with... Um, Robert Redford uh, a few years ago where he was str- stranded on the oh, boat. Oh, yeah. It was in a, like All is Lost or something yeah, like that. Yeah, lost yeah, yeah. It was yeah, like yeah. literally just him on a ship the yeah, entire movie. The entire and, like movie. he doesn't even have a name. Yeah, no. Because he, you know, uh, which I, I heard the movie was really good. I heard I it was, I never actually, watched yeah. it too. It's a JC uh, Chandor movie. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, something something like that, Okay, I guess, with Jason Statham. <laughs> Only you could do it, sir. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I'm literally just plucking this you know, fine. out of my ass it's right good. now. Yeah. So, um, so how I about like you? It. What's your, uh, I think my, I'm going to go ahead and say just because of what I know about you personally, I would, uh, this would be my preference would be to see you direct a movie about somebody lost in the woods. <laughs> yes. Cause I'm, my aversion to living near woods. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> don't like Bobby, it. Bobby doesn't like trees and congregation. No, I don't. <laughs> weird shit can hide behind those trees and more arboreal the worst yeah yeah right um i think i would do a since you mentioned that i'm gonna i'm gonna keep running with it i think i would do my version of m9 Shyamalan's the happening mm. but take take the element of like you know trees are pissed. literally man against nature right um, a little horror element to it, but I would have Ethan Hawke as my oh, okay as my main man. Part of me was hoping you said you were going to say I'm going to bring Mark Wahlberg back in. No, but <laughs> <laughs> no, uh-uh. nice. Uh, but I would literally do like you know you know maybe man out in the woods you know quiet weekend you know on his own you know whatever maybe he's just gotten going through divorce or separation and you know something something's in the woods yeah and it's not good yeah. He's got because he's got some horror pedigree. Yeah, he's done, I mean, well, he was in Purge, uh, the the original yeah. Purge movie. But um, what was the Sinister? Sinister, that's right. Yeah, he's yeah. in Sinister. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's he's been there. Yeah, Ethan Hawke's one of those guys. Like I don't he know, just, you just forget. Like at this point, he's one of the he could do anything. Yes, because he's been there. Yes, and he's fucking probably done a really good job of it too. Um, so oh yeah. All right, so Ethan Hawke, Lost in the Woods, Lost in some the woods. kind of supernatural element. Yeah. Just went through a divorce. But like super subtle, like kind of on the level of like the gray. Okay. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm not looking, I'm not looking for, you know, uh, like a balls to the wall. Like I want to give people the illusion that like, you know, maybe Ethan Hawke will probably punch a ghost in the face, Mm. but you're not getting that movie. (laughs) (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Like, no, because that's I think that's what I thought. But at the end in. of the movie, when the ghosts are coming up, he's gonna get some tiny liquor bottles, <laughs> break them, <laughs> gonna off. put them between his hands. He's gonna, he's gonna break make them a off, castle out of everybody's IDs, <laughs> and it's gonna be on. <laughs> so good. I gotta rewatch that movie. Yeah, me this too. is like the perfect weather to do so. Yeah, it is. Yeah, this is good. Good the gray weather. Yeah. Um, but that's what I would do. I would want, you know, like a, okay. you know, I would lean really into the spiritualism of it all. Sure. Yeah. All right. I'm in. Yeah. That's what I would do. It's like, uh, what if it was like a direct sequel to First Reformed? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that works. Because I mean, that was getting close to like horror movie territory at a certain point. Like right at if the he, end. Yeah. Right at the end. I mean, if he just took another step like over that cliff and ended up in the woods, I could see. I could see all sorts of shit going down. Did you see the uh, little snippet of, uh, it's like the Hollywood Reporter was interviewing uh, Paul Schrader about his nomination, and they asked him like how he felt about it, and he honestly said, like, I've never really cared for the Academy or their choices, but like I'm honored to be a part of you know the group this year in, in terms of nominations. Sure, yeah. And then <laughs> the end of it was like... It's like, oh, I'm sorry. Someone's at the door. This has to. This has to end. Bye. <laughs> like that's how he ended the interview. It was awesome. just like he gave this really sweet answer, and it seemed like it was going to be more of a full interview. And he goes, "Oh, there's someone at the door. Sorry, I got to go by." Yeah. But just reinforcing up. his point. By the way, I just still want to remind you, I don't give a fuck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. I yeah. wrote Taxi Driver. Okay, I don't need your validation. I think it's you know? pretty <laughs> yeah. evident how much I give a fuck. Yeah. yeah exactly. Raging Bull. Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, I gotta go. <laughs> Someone's at the door. My pizza's yeah, right. here. Domino's is here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I can't do it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm pretty interested to check out um, Arctic. Yeah, I think um, I don't know. I'm. That's a. I doubt I'll go to the theater. I think, I think this is a total like one day at home. I'll just go. Oh, yeah, I get the yeah, feeling maybe. that it. Uh, I was trying to look up to see its like release schedule. It just says it's being released on February first. Mm-hmm. Um, I get the feeling that it might go straight to VOD. Okay, it just. You know, I just kind of maybe have that. Maybe it's like a week run in theaters, maybe some specialty theaters and like more right. of a VOD wide release, which uh, I'd probably rent. Yeah. You know, to check out, you know, because um, like you said, Mads. Mads. Mads just, you know, mm-hmm. delivers. He does. So. Um, so, yeah, Arctic comes out February 1st. I'm definitely going to check out those three short films. So hopefully by the next time yeah. we're, we're recording next week. And that Maybe could provide could. that could provide the the final push one direction or the other to yeah. say okay I'm gonna watch this or like you know what fuck this guy yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah right exactly <laughs> we can see if we have uh, the same reaction as we did to like Kin mm-hmm. yeah you know and AXL and AXL yeah yeah right <laughs> uh, keep this uh, you know shorts series going here uh-huh. so, uh huh so yeah YouTube superstars turning into feature film directors exactly exactly um, but all right yeah man that's all I got for Arctic you got yeah. anything else no no I'm done all right that's good. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks again. And we'll be back next week with another fine episode for you. We sure will. There's a shitload of movies coming out ne- the, the following out. week. So. Oh, I want to tell you. So, like, on weeks where, like, we're not too sure about what to do. Yeah. I'm starting to look into, like, further weeks where mm-hmm. there's, like, a weekend where there's, like, a shit ton of movies coming out. Oh, yeah. And maybe we just do one of those so that we can double up. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's, yeah, it's unfair. You're yeah. like, there's nothing I want to talk about this week, and then five movies coming out next week that exactly. I want to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, no, it's a good call. Distribute it. Um, all right, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks again. Peace. See ya. <laughs>